Hi, this is Flita with Women Ministering, and I'm so glad to have you here today joining me at Women Ministering. This is a place for women who are changing the world by sharing God's love. You don't need a title, you don't need anything, but just the love of God. And today we're going to talk about eight steps to live your purpose and passion, a really important subject because each of us need to be living our purpose. That's a question that each of us have probably asked at some point in our lives and maybe more than once. What's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? Now, as Christians, the Word has clarified our primary purpose, and it tells us how to know God's will for our lives, and we're going to look at that. As we combine purpose and passion, time can erode our passion. You know, at first you're just really gung-ho, that feeling is really strong, and then a few months or years later, you're just not feeling it anymore. And we begin to question our purpose at that point. So we're going to look at these eight steps to live your purpose and passion. Maybe you aren't sure of your exact purpose. So I'm going to go through some scripture that talks about our purpose and God's will for our lives. 1 Peter 2.9 in the Passion Translation says, But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. So you hear that, and you're probably thinking, okay, I am a major underachiever because I am not going out into all the world <laughs> to broadcast God's glorious wonders. Well, Remember this, Peter was writing to a people group in a city, not to just one person. And so, you know, we aren't going to do all of this in one step and, you know, complete the whole thing. We are people who have an identity. You are a priest who is a king. In a nation set apart, you're a devoted one and you are God's own then you're given a purpose. Share God's glory wherever you go, wherever you are. Share his glory. Ephesians 2.10 says, We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So here we see that God has a destiny or a purpose for each one of us as individuals. We're joined to Jesus, and part of our destiny is to do good works. And sometimes we think, oh, well, good works. No, I'm not supposed to focus on that. Well, good works don't purchase salvation for us. We can't earn salvation. But once we are saved by grace through faith, we will naturally or should naturally begin to do what Jesus did, do the things that we know are pleasing to God. We love him. We want him to be happy, and we want to be happy. We want to be obedient. One way to do that is by fulfilling his new commandment, to love one another in the same way he loves us. That's a good work that everybody can do. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 in the Passion 
Then Jesus came close to them and said, All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I'm with you every day, even to the completion of the age. Now here we see Jesus giving some detailed direction for us. Um, he gave us his power, and we are to live. Go forth means just go live your life, but live it in his authority. We're to make disciples. We're to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in addition, we're to teach them to faithfully follow God's commands. Now, one person may not do all of those things. Um, you might be the one to share your story of salvation with uh, a neighbor. Then, a few years later, somebody else that you never even meet baptizes that neighbor of yours. Um, I might teach God's commands to a purpose person that I didn't bring to salvation or baptize. We each have a part in the totality of Jesus' direction to us, and this was a directive for the ages to come after Jesus went to heaven. And so these are things that are examples for us of what we can do in the way of good works. Romans 12, 2 in the Passion says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. We have to stop imitating the culture around us and continually be inwardly transformed. It says we need a total reformation of how we think. What's, what do we gain through that? The ability to discern God's will for our lives. Philippians 1.6 in the Passion says, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's one to help you relax. God is going to continue his work of maturing you. We just need to be sensitive and obedient, and he's going to get us where we need to be. This scripture very clearly shows us he isn't going to stop. In fact, he's even going to put finishing touches on the beautiful work that he is doing inside of you. We need to remember that he's a big, big God, bigger than all of our fears, worries, doubts, failures, bigger than everything. And he wants you to live your purpose. We're all united in one purpose. That person purpose is to share the glory of God with the world. But then individually, we have our own singular purpose. For most of my life, I've been in some form of ministry, serving Christians or serving non-Christians. Um, I've done it in a lot of different capacities, being a wife, being a mother, teaching, pastoring, leading worship, being part of worship team, working in church administration, running a faith-based nonprofit. Today, I'm a writer and a blogger. My individual purpose and method of fulfilling God's purpose for my life 
has changed many times throughout my life, and it's probably the same for you. Stages of life bring changes in how our purpose is worked out. A change in method can be a really wonderful event that fills us with all kinds of renewed passion in our service to God. Um, At other times, I've experienced a change in method that felt like the end of my life because something I was passionate about died. Um, Other times, the method hasn't changed. The passion just dissipates. And then you're left doing something you're not sure about because you lack passion. It's just, you're just going through the motions. We're supposed to live our passion. Now, I recently went through a thing where I experienced the loss of passion and purpose. I love writing, and it's a passion. And last year, I started this blog to bring inspiration and encouragement to women in ministry, and I had great passion for it. And then somebody said something to me, just a real short sentence, and it was like water poured on a fire. The flame went out. And I began questioning what I was doing. I lost my motivation, and I wondered if I'd made a mistake in even starting this. But by living my purpose and passion, I can live my best life, and so can you. I kept going, but it was hard because those words just kept revolving in my mind. They were said by someone who I respected. I looked to them. And when they said this thing, they had no idea what they were saying, I'm sure. But then I received some, some new words, some from God and some from, from, some from some different people who'd been saying what God had been saying. God had been saying over and over to me, don't change what you're doing. Yet here I was thinking of doing exactly that because of one sentence spoken by a person. I'm really thankful that God repeats himself because he said it to me again. Even though somebody had told me to make changes I didn't want to make and that I did not think I was supposed to make, God was saying over again, don't change what you're doing. And as I said, I had some others that I looked to and respect who confirmed the same thing that God was telling me. That didn't instantly bring the passion back. It's taken me weeks and weeks to finally feel that passion again. So how do you find your passion again? How do you rebuild the flame? You just keep going. You don't stop unless God says to. You continue in obedience to him, and you continue in your passion for God. Romans 12:11 says be enthusiastic to serve the Lord keeping your passion toward him boiling hot radiate with the glow of the holy spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him the way to maintain your purpose and your passion is through per- is through perseverance the 3 p's for life i kept doing what i was doing obeying what god was saying and fulfilling my purpose The passion is for him, not necessarily for my purpose, although one flows into the other. So what is passion? I found a quote by a gentleman named Braden Thompson, and I I just loved it. He says, 
I like to use the word passion interchangeably with words like determination, conviction, and love. Passion is a strong desire that can get you to do amazing things. Passion is an emotion to be acted upon. Without action, passion yields no worthwhile results. Passion is the fuel in the fire of action. When you have passion for something, you love it even when you hate it. Passion is a wonderful force in our lives that involves determination and perseverance. But it's an emotion, and we are not to be led by it. We're to be led by the Holy Spirit following his direction and voice. We're led by the word. We're not led by feelings. Feelings or emotions are wonderful, but they're completely transient. My feelings can change based on whether I can be having a great day because the sun is shining and all of a sudden the rain clouds roll in and I'm not having such a great day anymore. My feelings can also change based on someone else's words. Our feelings are unreliable. So our passion has to be fixed on a God who never changes. We have to persevere in our purpose and passion for God, whether we feel it or not. My passion, that feeling of passion, returned because of perseverance in pursuing my purpose. That's a lot of P's. (laughs) Purpose in pursuing, perseverance in pursuing my purpose. And that's what I had to do. I had a passion to follow the word and God's will for me, but even when I don't feel it, the passion for my God is there because he's my life and breath. That is passion, and it fuels my perseverance. So what's your passion? Right at this moment, what's your passion? Maybe you're reading or listening to this because you don't think you have a passion for anything right now, and that's okay. Set yourself free from the belief that you have to feel passionate about God and your purpose all the time. It's just not true. You can obey and persevere without feeling passion. And in fact, you might feel like I did, like you made a mistake, but you're, keep, you know, you're just going to keep plodding along a little longer. The key is, are you being obedient to God regardless of how you feel? If so, you're doing great. Relax, persevere, and remember God has not stopped working inside of you. Philippians 2.3 in the Passion says God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. So whether you feel it or not, God is continually at work inside you. Just keep doing what pleases him. Faith over feelings is going to get you through every time. God has a purpose for us. And there's a famous book called A Purpose Driven Life by Pastor Rick Warren. And he outlines five purposes for life. Number one, we were planned for God's pleasure. Number two, we were formed for God's family. Number three, we were created to become like Christ. Number four, we were shaped for serving God. Number five, we were made for a mission. Now, that's a pretty big scope of things, but we can narrow down 
things to what we can do. What's God saying right now? What's right in front of you at this moment? Um, maybe you're a young mother, and while you love your children deeply, you still have this feeling like you want to do something more, something else for God. Now, of course, raising children in the way they should go is a calling in itself. And second, the time is going to come where this phase of your life will change and you will do something different, something more, maybe many different somethings. What if you're working at a job you hate but you can't quit because you need the money? Well, take a little of your spare time. Take pictures of something you love. Journal about it. Join a club of other people who love it too. And then use every opportunity you have to share what God is doing and saying. I mean, you can just say something like, I'm so glad God helped me find this group. That's sharing God's glory. Start where you are with what you have right at this moment and let it grow and develop as you persevere in your love and obedience for God. So now here's your eight steps to live your purpose and passion. Step one, take time to evaluate what you have. What do you already have around you? When I started writing, I had a computer and the internet. I started investigating. What does it take to be a writer? I talked to some friends. I went to a writer's conference. I read bunches of books, and I talked to bunches of people. I did it while working and going through cancer treatment. I just started writing. I'm not a famous author, but my little book, How to Win After Loss, has helped a lot of people. I've given away more copies than I've sold, but my purpose was to help others who might have gone through what I did and I fulfilled that. In fact, I still am. I just started with what I had. And I didn't have a lot of money. I had to be really careful. But I started. And that's the key. Step two is then do something. We all tend to minimize what we do. And yet God doesn't. I'm probably never going to be super wealthy or famous. And I'm good with that because I love my life. I have things that mean far more than that to me. And so do you, uh, friends and family who love me for a start. And then I can go on with a long list of the things that really matter in my life. Don't talk yourself out of whatever your purpose is and don't minimize it. Instead, start doing something get on the internet and start googling what you're thinking about write down ideas investigate those ideas step three is pray now i know you think that should be step number one and yes it is actually part of every step but you need to continue to pray and seek god's voice remember i told you he doesn't mind repeating himself so when doubt or fear creeps in, pray. Keep praying and listening and obeying. Step four is feed your passion to please God. You already know how to do this, but let's review it. We feed our passion for anything by immersing ourselves in it. So read the word, worship, pray, study the word, pray, spend time with other Christians, pray, worship, 
pray. <laughs> Feed your passion to please God. Step five, keep things in the right perspective. Your purpose is to serve, please, and obey God. That's your purpose. Your method comes through his distinct voice to you as an individual. Your feelings, they're not to be obeyed. And your passion might have an ebb and flow. I mean, even the ocean withdraws, but it comes back. Perseverance, purpose, passion, in that order. The first two are going to take care of the third. And the third will rise up when you need it the most and you expect it the least. Step six is don't stop. Never stop seeking God and his will for you. Never stop being obedient. Never let fear overcome your faith. Don't stop listening to and following the Holy Spirit. Your goal is not recognition from the world. Your goal is to please God. And yes, You'll have times of stopping to meditate, get new direction, make a change, and just listen. But even resting is part of moving continually toward the goal and finishing the race. Step seven is enjoy the process and allow for change. I was only going to write books. I never considered being a blogger. I was going to write books that were Bible studies and self-help. And then along the way, God opened up a new path. I'm still writing books, and I'm writing blogs and Bible studies and providing self-help resources. What I initially saw was only the beginning. Enjoying the process can be hard sometimes because we take this whole Christianity thing really seriously, and yes, we should. But we're also meant to have joy. Jesus said he came to give us his joy and that we might have abundant life. If he changes your picture, embrace and enjoy. And step eight is Micah 6.8. He has told you, mortals, what is good in his sight. What else does the eternal ask of you but to live justly and to love kindness and to walk with your true God in all humility? There it is, the will of God in two sentences. Do what's right in God's eyes and according to his word. Love kindness and walk your life in humility. We can all do that. If you live according to God's commands, you'll automatically have a purpose. If you love kindness, your passion for kindness is going to cause you to live and act in a kind way toward everyone and everything. If you walk in humility, you are persevering, and this is what God requires. You can live your purpose and keep your passion. You're important, and your purpose is important. There are people you can influence that nobody else can. God sees you, and you should never minimize your importance to him. Purpose, passion, and perseverance. Keep those in mind all the time. And if you stop to start thinking, I just don't matter, God doesn't care, I'm not important, I want you to think about Zacchaeus. His story is in Luke 19, 1 through 10. He was a short man who had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. In addition to being very short, he was a tax collector, which meant that he had a lot more enemies than friends. 
He was also rich, which had made him even more unpopular. But he wanted to see Jesus, and he'd heard Jesus was there. He was too short to see him, so he climbed up this tree. Jesus was surrounded by a large crowd, but he saw Zacchaeus in the tree and made his way over there. When he got to him, he called him by name. Jesus had never met Zacchaeus before, but he called Zacchaeus by name. And then <laughs> Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Jesus knew his name. God knows your name, and he knows the number of hairs on your head, and you matter. A tax collector was worthless in the eyes of the Jews, but not in the eyes of Jesus. The crowd murmured and they complained when Jesus walked away with this tax collector. Yet Zacchaeus' life was transformed. He began giving to the poor. He repaid what he was, had stolen. And there's a quote about Zacchaeus and this particular um, incident in BibleStudyTools.com, and it shows how important we all are. This incident reveals the Christian truth that just as the publican Zacchaeus was regarded by the rest of the Jews as a sinner and renegade who was unworthy to be numbered among the sons of Abraham and was yet chosen by our Lord to be his host. So the social outcast of modern life is still a son of God within whose heart the Spirit of Christ is longing to make its abode. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I want you to know that God sees you and he loves you and you have a purpose and you can have passion. Per perseverance, pur purpose, passion. Sorry, I'm stumbling over all of the P's in that, but they're important. My motto for women ministering is to be inspired to flourish. And I pray that this helps you to do exactly that. I want to see you flourish in your purpose and passion for God. And again, I thank you so much for listening. Go to the blog, womenministering.com, and I look forward to being with you again. Thank you and goodbye.